Welcome to everyone's favorite podcast, It's Reclaimed Audio, with your hosts, Phil Pinsky, Bill Lutz, and Tim Sway. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of Reclaimed Audio. This is episode 197 for August 21st, 2019. My name is Phil Pinsky. With me, as always, are the illustrious Bill Lutz and the magnificent Tim Sway. This week's top Patreon supporters are Lakeside Woodcrafter, Stu Morrison, The Godfather, Jimmy DeResta, Scott Turner, Greg Mead, Chad Grossclaws, Shane Bronson, Ryan Ridgely, Jeff Shaw, Infinite Craftsman, LiquidRC.com, Jim Bashirs, Paul Jackman, the boys over at Maybe I've Said Too Much, Creator Nader, Wesley Treat, Rob Ray, Darren Mattis. We got a new one here. You ready? Cling Spores. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Who? Thank you, sir. And of course, Gangi and Pop Pop, a makerspace. What? Wait, is that Cling Spore as in the uh, Cling Spore sandpaper and other woodworking tools? No, yes. it's his cousin, Whistler. Yeah. Oh, Whistler's. Yeah. All right, so here's what I was thinking. Sense. It um, is actually, yeah, the sandpaper. We should not make fun of me, and then we should have fun on the podcast. Because just because I'm not, you know, um, educated like you guys are, I, I thought I'd throw, uh, I thought it was pop culture, but apparently that's not. Whistler's mother is not pop culture? No. You're just lying. <laughs> you did not think that was pop culture. Okay. For, look, you're, just, you're doing that culture, thing where you bait popular us. Popular culture, right? A, a culture is like, uh, I don't know, your culture. Like, you know. In a Petri um, dish, I hear you. Yeah. Oh, yeah like, the Boy George Pop Culture Club. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a club. <laughs> So yeah, you can do the clings for really, huh? I, that's that's pretty cool. It's like yeah. royalty. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Gotta get me a, a sandpaper pack. Actually, I guess you got well, tired of order. Yeah. I guess I got tired of listening to that other I'm, podcast. I'm sure. <laughs> out of all the out of all the sandpaper I've never tried, cling spores is the best ever. It's it is. Uh, I have a I it? have a bunch of samples that I've been using, and it is it is very good sandpaper. Um, it. Because usually I just buy the cheap stuff that's at the box store, and everybody always yeah. complains about it, and I complain about it, but it's I never like plan ahead. And uh, they sent me some samples of some different stuff, and I was like, you know what? I got to start planning ahead with this stuff because it really yeah. does make a difference. Right. Um, I mean, the longe- longevity of, of it and um, the quality of it, you know, the consistency. That is the stuff. thing because I use the Gator stuff, you know, Gator. Yeah, from, it's like, garbage. It's so bad. It wears out so fast. You're like, oh, a 15 pack. Why do I only have three left? Well, the Gator's the worst, and I use the Diablo usually, which is uh, yeah. the Home Depot version of it, no, which is a little bit better. But you so much yeah. better. From the first salon build, honestly, from the first salon build, I stocked up on so much sandpaper because I was just buying, every time I go to the, the box store, I, I'd pick up, and it's mostly Diablo. Hmm. And that's what I've been using all these years later. I mean, I still have the same pretty much stash, and I'm starting to run low. But mm-hmm. it is garbage because I bought way more than I would ever use, and I'm still going through lots of it because you use five minutes worth of orbit, orbitating on your orbital, and uh, it, it starts to wear out or it starts to gum up or it's just nasty. So I've heard lots yeah. of good stuff about the old Mikey Kling Spore. Thank you for the sponsor guy's stuff, and uh, might have to put me in a, an order. And he does have a sample pack. Is that right? Like a 
like a box of tear-offs and stuff like that you can get, like all different grits and whatnot. I yeah, they sell that. like a, yep. And the other thing that's cool about them is that they have uh, like everything. Like I got like the sample kit they sent me. They sent me like two thousand grit, like orbital, like five inch orbital. You oh, know, like you don't. That would be so like. Awesome. I mean, you can get, you can go. They have like, oh, like I need a twenty four inch belt. Like they, they have it. Like they have all the oddball sizes and shapes and stuff too. You know. Huh. So um, it's definitely it's. It's definitely something that you know. I'm gonna I'm gonna put that on my list of things to do right now. Actually, to Amen. to go through what I have and stock up on on uh, sandpaper. All right. I feel kind of obligated now that he actually listened to to me trying to shill him. And uh, now I doubt here. he's actually he's not actually listening. I doubt. Oh, I, I think he did. I, I think uh, I, I think that's how powerful we are as a group. The three of us get together, and it's like a it's like when the Death Star. The, the little lights go from the middle of oh, the Oh, yeah, just, the just like the Death Star, yeah. And it yeah. shoots out that one ray, but it's from three points, right? Huh. Phil, you're not you're not doing it, Phil, so I'm going to take over. Hey, Phil, what have you been working on? What are you up to? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, first of all, Bill just blew my you're, mind because what he said actually kind of made a little bit of sense. Because um, that <laughs> is the way the Death, Death Star compared us to the Death works. Star. That does not – yeah, but he compared our podcast. That doesn't make sense. Come on. No, I compared Wait, us to the Death Star. We destroy Alderaan. Regularly. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen our numbers on Alderaan? Yeah. We're, we're huge in Alderaan. I mean, uh, what am I working on? I currently, uh, I said it in the pre-show, but uh, I'm making a pencil holder out of some uh, reclaimed Moranti and and some scraps from the, uh, from the what's the name of the, the ship there, the pirate ship that you gave me? Not a pirate ship, the Ernestina, although it might have pirated a little, I don't know. A little. Yeah, times are tough. You never know. Who knows? Yeah. So it's cool because there are uh, parts of it, and uh, the way they fix, I guess, if they had holes or rotted sections, was they'd drill out the holes, and then they'd plug them with a dowel, and then they'd flush cut it. So am I wrong? Uh, I, think, I think all those dowels are actually for joinery that are that's in that wood when you get those, uh, those, uh, those dowels that are like an odd – directions so that's how they joined the wood together sometimes they use oh. metal spikes and sometimes they use dowels i don't know if it depends upon who did the okay. work where or what time period or whatever but that's why that wood is so difficult to work with because every six inches there's like a spike but oh. then you get other pieces where every six inches there's like this this hard ash dowel or whatever hickory probably and okay um, so in this case they all like because it's a very thin slice they fall like out. maybe a quarter inch yeah. so they all fell out so it kind of looks like swiss cheese so i thought that was yeah. a really cool look for a pencil holder so I'll, yeah, I'll cool. take some pictures. I think it came out cool. We'll see. So nice that's what I'm working on. But um, you know, we'll talk more about that in the in the actual topic. Um, what about you, Bill? Is it? What are you working on? I I actually did kind of do some stuff. Uh, I had to go do some maintenance at the salon. So that included. Mm -hmm. um, uh, let's see, I had to change out some AC filters. I had to do uh, some patchwork on the walls. I had to install a couple of things on the walls. Uh, water filter. Yeah, so that was kind of, it actually felt kind of good to do something outside of work um, for something, you know. So it was uh, not quite making in the shop, but now I'm like, you know what? I got to get those darn doors built. <laughs> uh, yeah. Still thinking about that. And then uh, what else did I was, I was thinking of? Wallpaper? Did you choose the yeah. wallpaper? I they haven't yet, and Casey's now left it up to uh, her partner. And said, "Screw it, just pick out. You know what I like. Get what you want. That type of deal." And you know what I like. 
pick what you want. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a fight waiting to happen. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's yeah. what I'm not doing. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, so that's, I did a little something, something outside of uh, my norm. Nice. Well, that's good. Not not quite back in your uh, your little zone there, but yeah. you know, at least it wasn't just at the airport. Yeah, that's what I meant. It was just something doing something with my hands outside of my regular nine to five. It was kind of nice. Mm. Putting on the old tool belt. I hear you. Basically, yes. The uh, the hyperbole cyber tool belt. Whatever you call it, the imaginary. The, uh, hmm? Like not really, but. Philosophical tool belt? Metaphorical? Uh, metaphorical tool belt, yes. yes. <laughs> astrological. The astrological tool belt. Right. Yeah. Uh, the, the Capricorn the meta- of tool belts. The metaphysical astrolab. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Crystals. <laughs> Crystals. <laughs> Tim, what about you? Um, oh, God. I've got, I got a ton of stuff um, going on. Uh, I just... I'm almost done with the video I just put out uh, over the weekend of this mini bass guitar that I was making for a client, and I made two of them when I was doing it. And um, it's not quite ready to ship to the client. I wanted to let it sit for a few days. I always like to kind of let them sit, and then uh, and then go through the setup again before I ship ship them out, just to make you know let them settle a little. So, um, but I wanted to finish that video for the weekend, so I just sort of wrapped that up. Um, so that's almost done. Um, oh, and I wanted to mention that you know we talked about I did that that. Um, like made in Connecticut Expo a couple weekends ago, I think maybe last weekend, and I was and I said I didn't sell any guitars, and I said, but that's okay. I wasn't really there to sell a guitar. I was there to hand out business cards and you know and whatnot. But then I, it, I actually ended up selling a guitar because a guy that was I was one of the guys that I thought was going to buy one. He ended up contacting me like almost right after we finished recording the podcast last week, and he nice. and he bought the guitar that he liked, so he came oh, to the shop and and picked it up. So that was cool. So that made the show like a total. So I was like, okay, I was like. You know, because it's not an impulse buy, right? It's not like a $20, you know, you know, ch- sign or a $50 cutting board. You know, I didn't expect to sell them. It's just about planting the seed of, of knowing, knowing that I'm here. And I didn't think that the seed would sprout a seedling so fast, you know. So that was pretty pretty positive and made me more willing to try to do more things like that in the future. Kind of stepping outside of my norm, you know, mm-hmm. for that. So that was cool. What else Who is, is going this on? norm guy you guys keep talking about? Yeah, you should, you should meet him. <laughs> He's hey, everywhere. Let me let me ask you about your um the the orange base. What dye or stain was that? And the reason I asked well, is because that's Aspen's favorite color, and it's a beautiful orange. Uh, well, it's supposed to be it's supposed to be red. It's kind of it's a little more red than like on the camera. It's a little more orange. Right. Um, but in person, it's more it's it's a red powder pigment dye that you mix with hot it water. It looks totally orange, dude. It does it. That's that's yeah. your. You might need to set your your phone. Uh, color balance a little bit or something but, but someone else called it orange too and uh it's in person it's red it's like but it's it's like it's light red almost i mean Can almost I tell you a story pink. tim <clears throat> go it goes like this it's actually something of a joke and uh so crazy old man driving down the highway turns on his radio and says attention attention crazy driver going wrong way down the highway old man looks up he goes, one. There's a million. A million of them. <laughs> so, Great probably, story, Phil. So it's probably orange is what I'm saying. Well, it's it, it came out of a bottle that says red. I've used it before, and it was red. Okay, let's, assume, let's assume that it's red. 
Hmm. Whatever, right? Well, so what brand is, is it? Like some kind of Tim's tea, or what? What is it? Um, I'd have to check on the brand. It's a powder pigment I got from. I believe I got it from Stu Mac, the guitar. Um, oh yeah, powder. I'm not going to do no powder pigments. That's yeah. not going to happen. No, it's really nice because you can mix it with water, and you just you just heat the water up, and you mix like a teaspoon in, and and um. So and it's then like, it's, like tea. it's it, it is. <laughs> you have to heat the water up and mix it. It's a lot like tea. Uh, but it's nice because it's not oil based, you know, anything. You just brush so it's it a water based. Yeah, water based, and it and it works pretty well. Um, you know, obviously you can make it as dark orange as you want. <laughs> there's there's so, a couple of things I want Sienna. from Stumac yeah. anyway, so maybe I'll. Do you know of any place else that sells a good flush cut plier? Um, I think just. Oh, you out. mean like? Yeah. Well, like there's like Klein. <sighs> Like the like the electrician. No, tools. these these are like really super a flush cut for uh, yeah. cutting the frets off, so you can cut as much as flush as you can, so you don't have to file off a quarter inch of yeah, it. Yeah, save just the time. You could try Luthier Mercantile. Sometimes they're a little cheaper. LMI. Okay. Um, I think it's LMII dot com. I forget what the second I is for. Well, but, um, I'll check out Stu. And you can also they're, they're you can also bad. check. No, they're not too too bad. Some of their stuff is a little bit crazy, but it's but then I a thought lot of I looked at. I thought they were like twenty bucks. They're not that bad. Well, there's two types of fret pliers to those. There's like the polar ones, and they're kind of light duty, and those are not as good for cutting the nip the, the ends off. But then the heavier duty ones, I think, are more like fifty bucks. Oh, um, yeah, I ain't spending fifty. Yeah, I mean, anyway. I, I just I don't have them. I just use bullnose. Um, that's all I use. Well, I thought about stuff. grinding up. I know Phil's starting to get that look on his face. You better quick hurry up. That's okay. No, no, no. It's fine. Work. No, go do your thing. <clears throat> anyway, I'll check out Stumac because I'll check out that dye too. Because I, I actually thought about doing a pigmented, I mean, playing with pigments for dyes and whatnot. Uh, you can't use those in epoxy, can you? Sure, you can. Um, <gasps> I've done that cool. before. Yeah. Yeah. Pigments, yeah. That would be, that'd be worth a while. All right, yep. cool. I feel like you could use almost um, anything to tint epoxy. I don't think you can. Yeah. Actually, um, I I don't remember. I've tried a few things that did not work. One of my things, I thought, why not food coloring? Uh, that yeah. didn't work at all. What happened? It didn't just, work. No, it didn't. It didn't uh, emulsify. I guess you would call it. It didn't like. It just looked like. Oh, uh, maybe there's too much looked, water in it. It looked like yeah. crap inside the epoxy. Is what it looked like. Yeah, I think uh, that might have uh, been it. Just it was water, and, and water and oil don't mix, so to speak. Yeah, I've used it in the past in epoxy, and it didn't. It didn't like turn the epoxy red, but it uh, it it tints it. Made it. It tints it a little bit. It's, it it yeah. wasn't the best, but it did work. But what, what I would do if you wanted to, I think well, I'd probably have, paint the surface and they then have epoxy, epoxy over it. They have pigments for epoxy specifically for that. I know that. Yeah, that I would. You're gonna get a better result because otherwise you get like you can see the powder almost in the epoxy. You can see the individual. I mean, it's a very fine powder, but you know you will sort of see it. And then if you if you water it, you'll probably have the same problem you had with the food coloring. Yeah. You know. So. But yeah, okay. Um, the other things that I'm up to are, I, I've been wanting to do it for a while, and uh, I'm experimenting with, and I just kind of. Sort of started putting it out on Instagram a little bit, but um, I'm making you know my square, the the multi tool that Phil loves to use. Mm-hmm. Um, in <laughs> in the clear plastic, I love that. I yeah, no, I took it out last week. I took it out. The square? It's been up. The it was out of the plastic the whole time. Also, I don't even think you shipped it in plastic. Yeah, I did ship it in plastic, did you? but just because they they come from the place. Well, so um, I, I'm almost. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm almost out of, I, I, I should be out of them, maybe even right now as I'm speaking, of, of squares, uh, which, you know, so the last batch I sold. And so I was trying to decide whether I'm going to make another batch of the metal ones and also trying to decide if I want to make a batch of the metric ones because I've had people bugging me for metric ones for a while, but I don't know if there's enough to warrant it. So Screw I think I might metric. do a pre-sale. Don't worry about those. Just pre-sale. make me a clear plastic yeah, it's only, one. It's only 99% of the world, you know. But um, the... Uh, uh, but so then I was like, well, I do have this laser where I can make them out of uh, plastic. So I was messing around with some different acrylics and stuff, and I settled on Lexan, and uh, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty cool. It doesn't it doesn't break. I mean, you lose the the metalworking capabilities or the like the, the scraping scraper. and the dowel yeah. cutting, you, but it has all the measurement capabilities, and you can see through it while you're marking stuff up, which is kind of useful. Like, I there's like. a reason why drafters use those tools. Um, I don't think it like if I were to design a, like a layout tool. From scratch, to be clear, I don't think it would be this tool, but I think that it's kind of cool to have that tool in plastic, even though, like, there's things I would do differently if I were to. So then I was thinking, like, well, maybe I'll redesign it, but then I was like, I'm going to start here and kind of put it out and see what people like. I also have the million-dollar idea I want you to try next. So you made your finger push stick. You've made the clear layout tool square. Mm -hmm. Why Mm -hmm. not make a thin push stick that also has layout capabilities? Um, well, I kind of thought about that. That was I was getting to that next too. Well, was the of course other you tool. did. Because I'm, you know, I'm just here shilling right now. So I'm just shilling my my wares all all available at newsperspectivesmusic.com this time in the slash shop. It's cold um, in here. It's if a you go to the, shilly. a little shilly, yeah. If you go to the if you go to the old Square website, timswaynet slash Square, all the info is still there. But when you go to click to buy, it will take you to my other store. It's just a better store, better shipping options and stuff. But um, yeah, so then the other tool that I, I put up in there was my uh, push stick I came up with a little while ago, and it does have it doesn't have layout capabilities per se. And I was thinking about doing that, but I no, ended I up. I mean, like the literally your square. If if you combined your square with Jimmy's idea, right? So your square would have all the layout stuff on it, a little bit bigger with the handle through it, so you can use it for a push stick. Made out of I, what? You know. Well, Made it has of- to be something that can. Well, uh, not Lexan because it'll shatter. It has to be no, not Lexan, but you can plastic. make it out of. Um, uh, there's still a clear plastic that's a little bit softer that wouldn't do that. Jimmy made his out of like that's it was like that stuff. white. It wasn't yeah. foam. No, it was like that basic board. No, it was thinner, no, it's, softer it's, than that. It's closer to not foam, but uh, they, yeah, styrofoam. They sell it with the A's, they sell it with the Azek trim boards um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and sheets. I don't know. What it's, it's like lighter than Azek though. But because um, I was looking at that for making mine too, and when I had Jimmy's, I still have it somewhere. Uh, I did that. I drew I drew rulers down two sides of uh, of that push stick, just with a pencil, not accurate ones. I just pencil marked inches and half inches on it. You know. What if you made it um, out of um, MDF, like quarter inch MDF? Yeah, no, I could do that. Um, that 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 was something I thought about when I well, because the last push stick I made was triangular, and then I thought about doing that with that. But then I was just into the finger idea, and uh, and I put like the there is a four inch ruler on it for just measuring depth. It's like you know, not really a layout thing, but but if I make one tool that does everything, then I won't be able to sell two tools. That's true. <laughs> then you get stuck with a spatula you got to give away. Or you have multiple <laughs> hey. tools and styles of tools. Maybe somebody likes a combination. Right. Somebody likes individual. Well, that's kind of what I'm what I'm sort of trying to do a little bit of is is develop like that side of things like um 
I like having like the square. I'm you know I'm pretty proud of it, and I think a lot of people actually find it useful, unlike the two of you. And um, no, and it's there's, you really know, beautiful as no. decoration. <laughs> and it continues. I use mine all the time, sell. so knock it off. <laughs> I know you do, but and it continues to sell, and so it's it's a nice way to kind of you know we always talk about when you do this type of stuff for for a living, it's about multiple streams of income, you know, and having that. It's a very small stream of income, um, but it is. You know, it is a stream of income. It's you know, it's it all maybe, counts. Yeah, so it's like you know, every time you know, the, the, you know, the order comes, in, it's like oh, it's thirty bucks for a square. It's like they were already, you know, I've sold enough of them where it's paid off, and it's like oh, now I have thirty dollars in my pocket. You know, and that that's the way that I'm able to to keep this business going. So I'm trying to put. I had some ideas, and now that I have this laser in my shop, I don't have to rely on another manufacturer to make them. I was like, oh, I could actually just make these things to order. So I'm like, well, what are some other tools that I can do to help me? keep well, some passive passive income streams and also be useful and not just you know selling tchotchke you know like well, things so that's that people what i'm trying to use. do is give you enough ideas to help you pay your mortgage and if you strike it rich you'll give me a you know like a courtesy kickback um but let me know I don't if you guys want me to segue because i can signs. segue anytime from where we're at now just so you know we can segue but i just want to say to tim the mdf idea is not a bad idea what you can do though because I know it's not just about being able to push it through a table saw or whatever, right, safely. But if you did want to make your square, you could make certain parts of it out of metal with the bulk of it being MDF. So you could retain that sharp, pointy pivot part at, at the beginning. So you could kind of make a hybrid tool. Any place that comes tool. into contact with the blade would be MDF. Right, you put an yeah. insert, have an insert in this that's right. changeable. Replaceable yeah. inserts. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, which is so, a cool design. I've seen guys do that with like saw handles and stuff. You know, yeah. yeah. What if also you can put in a, a maker knife? Uh, um, so you got the square, you got the push stick, and on the end of it, you click, 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 and there's a blade right there. You can also use it for a cutting tool. Yeah, that sounds mm -hmm. safe. Yep. Mm -hmm. So all of all of that would be like R and D, right? You said you were doing R and D. Yeah, a little and bit. One of the, one of the things I was thinking about, like, so to kind of segue into our topic, um, one of the things I thought of when we were coming up with this was the R&D aspect of it. We're talking about in Casey's office, I built all these things. Well, if you're a new person and you're starting out, you start out, you build a coffee table, right? And it's like, well, I don't like the way this does. So you make, make another one, maybe give that to your brother, right? And then you make another one. And you come up with something that you really like. That's at the point when you might ask yourself, okay, now what? Now I've got the skills, to make this particular coffee table, uh, now this is the one that, that came out good. I can I can start take maybe trying to market it or, or whatever or putting it out there. So that might be a a, a a now what is using stuff around the house as R and D, right? Well, I think it's a lot of it is also skill building, right? So what you're talking about is the right. the iterative nature of developing your right. skills, right? You make ten coffee tables, and the last one you're like, oh, that's cool, right? So you get to a point where you're at. Okay, now what? Now I have these skills, now what do I do with it? And you can either, and there's a multiple of options, right? One is, I just like doing this for fun, so I'm gonna continue doing that. But mm -hmm. then you have a whole bunch of other options, like hmm, maybe I'm gonna launch an Etsy store, maybe I'm gonna sell at farmer's markets, maybe I'm gonna start pitching my stuff to restaurants, or you know, for like Kyle Toth did like all of those tap handles, right? right so there's, right. so you've developed a skill set, just like any other skill set. Like if you were a computer programmer, Okay, great. You've developed the skills to be a coder. Now what? Now what are you going to do with that? So I thought it'd be interesting to sort of 
take a closer look at what the three of us have decided to do with our skills now that we've I, I don't I, I don't want to put myself in the same league as you guys but I think I have enough skill that I could ask myself that question but I, I honestly believe that either one of you well Tim already is but I think that obviously uh, Bill could make a living making you know art pieces or you know functional furniture that is different um, so if you decided to make that decision now what so now what you've got your skill now where are you taking it so if we take a closer look at what the three of us have, have sort of answered that question with I think it's an interesting look at, at uh, who we are and the decisions we make and for a lot of makers in the community maybe it's not a question you've asked out loud but it's certainly a question that you've answered with your actions right yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a fun well, one. So I, I think I think the now what for me, um, it, it really broke open the ice with these cigar box guitars, and I know ad nauseum, blah blah blah, but it really did because now what for me is like, wow, here's some skill sets I can apply. I still don't quite know what I'm doing, but I have a general idea because of my background and my skill sets, and I'm still learning I'm still applying these skills to make this thing which I can turn around and sell which I can turn around and give as gifts which I can turn around and and make for myself which I've done all three of those and so my next my next now what is okay now I got to perfect more I'm, I, I came uh, I, I talked about it earlier I had this little eye-opening thing about the acoustic qualities of these cigar boxes and what makes them sound a little better and what it doesn't well now I got to delve into that because I, I just have one theory about it because I okay this is why this one sounds good and this is why this one doesn't so now I got to build another one and apply that theory and see if it works will it work on cardboard the thin cardboard cigar boxes will it work on the thicker ones which I know it already does maybe I can use a cigar box and I have to make my own lid for it to get more of an acoustic sound you know what I'm saying so mm -hmm. there's there's a whole lot of now what for me that just a just something new I haven't really done before. Um, it's like okay, I've, I've kind of done everything that I that I can, except when it comes to tech, which I'm still not interested in. But now, now what else can I? So not only now what, but now what else? But like, are you? Because so you're still. It sounds like you're still in the R and D section of that. Oh, thing. absolutely, absolutely. So then, I think the now what question is is like now that you've developed that skill, and yes, you're delving deeper into, you know, perfecting or optimizing that. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to continue to just make them for you? Or are you going to sell them? Make videos about them, instructional sets. Like, like I, I, think I don't think you've answered that above. question yet. Yeah, I think all of the above. As of right now, um, I come across one, uh, and somebody will contact me, and they want one, so I'll, I'll make something for them. Uh, in the meantime, I'm making them more and more for myself, you know, because I and I've given some away. Um, but yeah, I mean, the idea is, what can I do with it? I don't feel like I can actually be productive or uh, production with these yet. Right, like I, I know I can make a certain type of them, one type that I've kind of gotten down pretty good, um, but I'm still in that phase of you know what next, what 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 else can I do with these? You know, there's there's so much going on. So the now what for me is hasn't been determined yet. Okay. I feel I feel like the now what should almost always be the R and D. Like I don't you know. I don't think that you should necessarily be like, oh, well, this is it. This is the way I'm going to make this for the next 40 years. That doesn't really seem feasible. No, not you know? so much for the next 40 years, but at least it's like, okay, uh, I've had five people that have asked me, can you make me an acoustic one? And every time I make one, it's like, I can make it better. I can do better on this. You know, we always do that. Exactly. So yeah. I yeah. do want to get to a point uh, where I can say, you know what, now 
now what is is get that down to where I'm happy with how this sounds. This is good enough for now to make a few to sell. And, and then the now what will continue again. It's like, okay, now I'm making acoustic sounding ones pretty good of this style, of this size, of this scale. Now what? Can I make it a longer scale? Can I play? I'm blown away that you took a miniature cigar box guitar scale and made a bass with it that sounds amazing, right? That's like, I didn't realize that because I only, when I made your bass and I made my bass, uh, it was at a 30 inch scale because that's what the low, the smallest scale for a bass was, you know? But now that yeah. you've done that, now that you've done a 23 and a half inch scale on a bass, I'm like, oh, I guess you can do it if you tune it properly, right? Yeah, there are um, there are even shorter scales. I've seen them at 19 inches. Um, See, I had no idea. Yeah, they use uh, the the tough thing is getting the strings on like to the right tension and so they'll feel right because it's like the way you get you know you tune it up and the, you know it gets tighter so there's more tension and so if you just put regular strings on these shorter things, they're really slack when they get to that note. Um, but if you, in order to get them tighter, you have to go thicker, uh, basically, is, and then you end up with like really thick strings on a really small instrument, which just seems kind of weird, you know. So it's like a, like so. I'm still kind of trying to find the best strings for that scale. Although it is kind of cool having them be extra loose because it forces you to play a little different and play a little lighter. Um, yeah, so I really enjoyed touch. that. That yeah. makes sense. So maybe the uh, yeah. now what in that particular area for you? Could you apply that to like okay, I've I've done something a little bit different. Maybe that's a niche. Maybe the now what is looking for a niche. Now that you've honed in on a specific thing that you make, finding that niche, right? Well, sure. I think that, you know, like you and, you know, you've built a whole bunch of different types of guitars, but they're all in the same vein. You know, they're all cigar box. They're all three, four strings, whatever. You know, you have this this common thread through them and you're sort of finding your voice and finding you. And that's exactly what I'm doing. And what, what I'm you know have found i'm interested in which is weird because i never liked them um when i don't take your time just go ahead nice open up your... <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> the face the face you made really quieted it that was that worked well yeah. um but you know like when i was out when i was out playing music and what you know i was just i just wanted to play regular instruments i didn't want to play cigar box i didn't want to play anything uh, and then that was sort of what I wanted to start making. Like at first I was trying to make really bizarre objects into regular instruments, you know, and then I was there actually working. And so then I was like, well, maybe I should try to make really, you know, more typical instruments, but using the same, you know, mindset of using reclaimed. And then I started doing that to make some more kind of traditional guitars. And now I'm sort of getting into this experimental phase with the, experimenting with the design and with the scale. And, and I've been, been getting into these headless guitars, which I, per, I still don't really necessarily care for the look of them. But there's something about the way that they go together and the way that, that I, um, they're being built that is appealing to me. And, um, and like that, the last one, the, you know, every time I put one of these videos out, I get all these people, and none of them necessarily panned out yet, but people are like, hey, can you make me one? Can you make me one? I'm like, yeah, I can make you one. And, um, and I, I think, think there's you, an I interest. Gonna, I was going to ask you about that because I noticed a headless guitar. Um, one of the, the first things I notice about that is it takes away one design aspect that I'm just tapping into, which is the headstock itself, right? being creative with the headstock the way it looks but you go with the headless guitar and it's almost like well that is out that's gone what about a way of still putting a headstock on it but just not having the frets up there you know what i mean well you you could do that you could put the a blank headstock on there and some people that do headless guitars they they get a little more ornate with it which i think is like my next step and what i'm starting to get into with the headless one i just did where i have that sort of scroll going off of it to just do something up there um but at the same time what's so nice about 
a headless instrument is that you don't have the stupid head up there because <laughs> it's just it adds weight you get what's called right. neck dive and all that it's like i mean obviously there's no tuners up there and you just make a blank head that wouldn't be as heavy but it's really it is uh you know uh i'm gonna say it i'm a little bit older than i was yesterday <laughs> as a guy who's aging to have the, the less weight you know is is very nice um the, the balance of it so that's that's what i've been into i'm like you know what i'm like eh it's still not my thing look-wise, but, like, man, it sure feels nice to play. And that's probably more important. Hmm. Maybe, so, Well, maybe so not think, rock and roll, but... <laughs> I think you would be able to answer this a little bit better than Tim or I because you're, you're just coming into the amazing set of skills that you are building. And um, you just keep, like, opening new doors, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. kind of how I see it. So now what? Now, now what do you... What, what's coming up next for Phil as far as utilizing all these things that you've learned I, I know welding is gonna enter the picture I think I think for me um, and also I guess for my wife as well is anytime we think of something that we want to buy we first ask well could you make that right which is sort of which is a little bit different right because it's it took fun a while. Too, right it is but it also it took a while to get to a point where sounds weird but my wife felt that my wife my work was good enough Right. right, that it was sure. as good or better than what we would pay for. So that's just an honest look at you know, you know, the instant you first push a piece of push a, a piece of wood through a, a table saw, you yourself maybe are blinded, potentially. Mm-hmm. You know, you think, oh my god, I'm amazing, but then somebody looks at it and they're like, yeah, that's that's pretty good. That's a, that's all right. But yeah, it, it I, took I a think, while to get here. I think a part of that too is not just. I mean, sure, there's a part of it is, you know, is it going to be as good, you know, like, can you make a, a entertainment center? Okay. Then you have to think about, well, can you do it? Is your work going to be as good? It's not so much as that, is that we have to also train ourselves, and especially people that don't make, is like, there are other alternatives. Not everything amazing comes out of a store. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah. some oh, people don't realize that. Yeah. They don't, it's like, how can you possibly do that in your garage? That's not even possible. Right. You know, you can make a little chessboard, but you can't make this thing. They don't get it. They don't get yeah. the fact that you can actually make amazing things out of your garage, right? Sure. And you know, the, the biggest hurdle that like you're going to face and I faced and everybody does when they started is that is proportion and design. Um, you, we think that we, we know what works proportionally and design wise, and then you make something and it just doesn't, but that's where you're sometimes blinded by it where you're like, Oh, this is awesome because you know about all the work that went into it. But then, you know, your wife's like, eh, I don't know, because it's not right. You know what I mean? And I I know I've made so many things like that when I was starting out, especially and probably still, you know, where you look at it a couple years later. Sometimes you look at it a couple years later and you're like, oh, I don't know why I was so down on that. That thing's awesome. And other times you look at it a couple years later like, what the heck was I thinking? Why is that like that? That's the stupid, you know, it's stupid and unbalanced. Maybe like a half inch top with four inch chunky legs? Yeah, like yes. stuff like that. You're Actually, using what you got and, you know. That is so common is that um, uh, over building a base of something, yeah. right? Whether it's the t- legs of a table, whether it's the arms of a chair, whatever, it's overbuilding that because you're like, oh, I'm going to make this so it last forever. And then you end up putting this dainty little top or something really pretty. You spend a lot right. of time and effort into really doing a good job on the top. And then you look at it and you're like, yeah, that's like, you know, Barbie meets the Hulk. It's just. Right. Hmm. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree with you for sure. It, it all goes back to that sort of iterative. You need, you need to mess up a lot before you succeed, I find, mm-hmm. in this in this 
area in this in this part of life. In, in making, you you gotta mess up a lot. Uh, although I, I guess some people don't, but I think for the vast majority of us, the truth is is that you need to fail. Oh, everybody a lot does. To, everybody, right. does. And I think that applies with most things, right? Well, the the, diff- the difference is, is some people some people mess up and fail in trade school, right? That's you know, or in art school, and then others yeah. do it in their garage when you know when they're teaching themselves. But yeah, absolutely, everybody does. You don't you're not just born with an understanding of of scale and design. You have to learn that. Some people are though. Some people have that innate sort of you know just either feels right or it feels wrong kind of thing. Well, yeah, I mean, you're gonna get me down the rabbit hole about talent, you know, and that's yes, there are people that are like. <laughs> You know, like they they might be predisposed to certain yeah. attributes that make it easier for them to get there, but that's not that's not enough. You know what I mean? I, I like don't. You need I don't. To, you know what? Uh, I mean, I still, you got to put the I'm work you, in. Tim, I don't think there's a predisposition to being able to do something. I think there's a predisposition to being very interested in something because to wanting to off, get good at it. Yeah. yeah. When you are so interested in something, that passion comes out. It seems like you're just wow. This kid's a natural. Well, no, he just really wants to do it, so he's putting a lot of time and effort into it. No, hey guys, come on. There are like I had uh, my my brother's good friend growing up. Kid was six and seven years old. He was doing grade 11 and grade 12 math. He wasn't particularly interested in it, but he was just, he was a genius. Like he was like on the charts, a genius. And yeah, so that, that kind of stuff does rare. exist. Yeah, it is well, rare, it, but it does exist. It does exist, but that's not what's going to make him solve the equation that fixes no. the world either. He has to put the work in to get there. You know what I mean? He has the Maybe predisposition. Maybe so, but he's got, he's got the, a serious leg up. Like sure. things will just click for him where it'll take a lot of work for somebody else. Absolutely. So he has a leg up. Like, you know, I used to teach music lessons and, um, and you know, I, I always say, and people like disagree with me where I'm like, oh, everything I've got isn't any, has nothing to do with talent, has to do with hard work. I almost feel like saying it's talent is like, like degrading. Um, but there, it's true that there, I had students that just, they could not tap their foot to the beat. Yeah. Like that, like they, and I that mean, could, we, they could do that all day long and it yeah, wasn't that, going anywhere. That kid's not joining Van Halen. You know what I mean? Right. Like, <laughs> maybe so Def Leppard. There is that, but well, yeah, maybe Def. But but at the same time, like Eddie Van Halen, like he doesn't just he didn't just come out of the womb doing that. You know what I mean? Like you know maybe he had the ability to tap his foot and he had that predisposition, but it's still like a heck of a lot of work to get to that point. And that's no, why I, I, I just people, I don't want anybody I know to ever. People that are naturally inclined to certain things that don't want nothing to do with those things. Because it's right, because if, if they're not interested, it, then they're not yeah, going to... Yeah, I've, I've had people show up and put a welder in their hands and like, okay, they have to do this particular thing. And it's like, okay, that's great. But they want nothing to do with welding. It's hot, it's it's nasty, it smells bad. That's not their thing, even though they had a disposition towards it, so to speak. Or they just... Something about their coordination fell into place, you know, I think, all kinds I think of by, things. But I think by smells bad, you mean smells good. I think that's what you meant to say. Because I love the smell of argon. <laughs> Well, that's because you're using argon, see? Yeah. yeah. Why are you well, using inert. argon? What's that? Why are I said you it's because you're inert. Oh, But inert. I said it fast, so it sounds like you're inert. It was I gotcha, I gotcha. Pretty clever. Um. <laughs> you're TIG welding, that's why you're using argon. Well, no, I'm using argon CO2 with the MIG, you know, the blends. Oh, are you? Yeah, Ooh. but you don't smell the CO2, oh. you smell the Back gassing. Uh, I just hey, get that stuff fancy. that you fill up balloons with at Walmart. I just use that, it works perfect. Great idea. For the helium shortage. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Great idea. Better than the time you used hydrogen. Here's the point where we have to put the disclaimer out to not try things. (laughs) No, 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 no. (laughs) Bill says. Nothing Bill says. Don't try. Um, 
But no, I, the welding, I don't, the, what I don't like about the welding smell is because I'm very lazy and I don't clean up my metal. So it's either got a bed frame paint. with paint on it paint. or it's got oh. grease on it. And I just like yeah. weld it. I don't care. I'm, I'm yeah. a grinder. I'm not a welder, man. I'm just pack yeah. that full of metal and grind it smooth. Yeah, I, I agree. The burning paint smell is, is not pleasant. Bed frames are the worst. Yep. Yeah, because that's like good paint. It's like, like, um, it might it's even be powder on. coated. Yeah. Yeah, it's powder coated. Yeah. Tim, at what point would you say you looked at all this collection of tools in your garage and the, I don't know, the, uh, the, the grouping and assortment of, of uh, presents you had made for your wife and thought, I'm going to turn this into a living? When did you answer that now what question? Um, it's, I didn't really have, uh, you know, I, all the tools and I didn't have the... I did it. I did it very passively and, and um, very gradually because you know I, I started an Etsy store just like the, you started this topic off. I I was still working full time as a musician and um, I was tinkering in the garage and picking garbage and I don't know, really know how it happened, but all of a sudden I like you know I had a couple things that we didn't need, you know. So so and then I, I put them up in an Etsy store. And Etsy was different then; it was easier to start an Etsy store back then because Etsy was new, you know. Right. And uh, and people were buying it, and you know, basically, I'd, I'd make a table and sell it for a couple hundred bucks, and it would cost me a couple hundred dollars to ship, and I'd lose money on it, and and then uh, and then I learned how to do that, and it just kind of, um, I remember that there was the point that I said I'm gonna stop playing music, and uh, you know, and gave notice, so to speak, to my to my my last band, and that was uh, that took me a few months to get there. Uh, well, it took me a few years to get there, but then it took me a few months. And it was really, it wasn't so much that I was like, oh, I'm ready. I have the tools. I have the skills. I have the clientele. It wasn't so much that. It was, um, I had to let go of the safety net. And I just, mm -hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't want to do those those gigs anymore. I, just, I didn't want to do it anymore. And so I said, I'm going to not do it anymore. And I'm going to force myself to make a go of this. And I rented the shop that I'm in now right around the same time. And, and uh, yeah, I just, I, I had to you got to let go. You know what I mean? It was like, I got to the point where I was like, well, I know I'm making a few hundred bucks here. You know, I, I know that I, I, if I have more time, I can, I can make more if I hustle and I go. Uh, and so, you know, it, it took a, a couple of years, but I, I just gradually worked my way into a tour. I, I cut that safety net. And, and like, like I was saying in the beginning too, it's all that, that multiple streams of income. So when I cut that net, I still had pickup gigs here and there. And I knew I was, I could still get gigs if I needed to. Um, there's if you're not afraid to work and you have a, a trade, you know there's work. You know. Mm -hmm. Let and me ask you I, this: Did you so was your now what when you when you thought about doing it at whatever point it was that you actually you said you you know gave notice with the band or whatever? Did you look at it? It's like okay, now what? I'm going to I'm going to make different art, or did you say I'm going to make structural things like furniture? I mean, what? How were you looking at that? I'm going to use tools to make things, or I'm going to actually use tools to make art. Well, just just to sound as obnoxious and repulsive as I possibly can, I've always considered myself an artist. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I, I think you're an artist you know. too, so that doesn't sound repulsive. I absolutely um, see you as an artist. You know, but but it's like saying it sounds so pretentious and lame and stuff. Well, but not, I've not never. Really. I mean, you're you're being more creative as far as for the sake of being creative and trying to sell your creativity, as opposed to I'm I'm going to build a structure and use it for a table or a chair and sell that. Right. Well, I I do have this this very practical part of my brain though and so you know i as i mean as a little kid all my life all i ever wanted to do was just make a living 
being creative and doing what I wanted to do. And, and I, and I had, you know, jobs and, and to support playing music. And, and, and I, I got to the point where I was working my job that was a good job and it was very flexible and it was somewhat creative. I was doing, you know, somewhat writing for a newspaper and doing design work for a newspaper. It was a very creative job, but it wasn't the, what I wanted to do. I was only getting to play on the weekends and I was like, I need to let go of the safety net. And I did the same thing then that I just explained for my business here. I quit the job at the newspaper. I, I said, I have to let go of the safety net and go out and and do music like I need to I need to get good and I can't get good only playing a couple hours a week I need to play every day and um and actually they they gave me the safe net we were talking about in the pre-show about how I worked from home for a few years for them too so that really really made it a lot easier for me um yeah so that's kind of you know that's all I ever wanted to do and then when music became work and you know I, I had to do I couldn't just do art like I couldn't just do you know passion projects I had to take work but, but that was what I wanted to do because I wanted to get good at my craft. And the way you get mm-hmm. good at your craft is by doing work. Um, and so I got to the point where that, now it was more work and less art. You know, I was just I was just doing the work and I wasn't getting the art as much. Um, and it just wasn't enjoyable. And so and the garage then became my, my art outlet. And I got to the point where I wanted to put all my time because I wanted to put in the work to get good because I'm not talented I put in the work you know and so I put in the I had to quit playing music to put in the work into the art to get good at it and you know and just as I feel like I'm coming into my own and I'm starting to get good at it something will happen we'll be like oh now I'm starting to get good at it and, and I'm still in that that love stage mm-hmm. with this because there's so many avenues of it like I don't you know but when I started the business you know, it was about being an artist and it was about working on my own terms and not having a boss. But it was also, I didn't want to just make like, like foofy art that you hang on the wall. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, like I didn't. Oh, foofy art. Yes. Of yeah, you know, foofy art, you know, because yeah. like, like, you know, music was to me, music was not foofy. It was, um, no. it was direct. I mean, you know, art affects people and art changes people's minds. And, but music, because it, it, it just worked with all the senses, you know, playing live music. It worked with all the senses. And it was really like a noble thing. Like even when I was doing the work where I was just playing cover tunes and bars, I was taking, I was making people happy, you know, yeah, that they, they, they worked their whole week in some job they hate and they, and they would get to go out and have drinks and listen to the songs that they want to hear that weren't necessarily the songs I want to play. But so it was very rewarding to make people feel happy. And that was the, you know, um, but so when I got into this I, and I was, you know, interested in the environmental side of it and whatnot, I didn't want to just, make foofy art out of stuff that I saved from the trash because I was like, oh, I'm just taking trash and I'm hanging it on the wall. Like, that's just, still just trash. I had to have function. It had to do something for me to consider it being something that was saved. So I was like, well, you know, now what? Take trash, make it usable. So it's all about art with purpose. Art with purpose, you know. Uh, now that I've been doing it for a while, now I'm, I'm you know, even you know, guitars are art with, with purpose that then goes back to that that greater good that music has that greater effect so it's like this this whole full circle thing for me it makes perfect sense and i'm and i'm more willing now to to do things just for for art's sake you know i think that that would be if if i were to try and predict my next step which is ridiculous for me to say because none of my steps could have ever been predicted um i would be heading towards art for art's sake i'm I'm doing i'm doing structural for the sake of art with these cigar box guitars because there's a there's a physical way to make these things, but it's also giving it's giving music to people who like me may not otherwise have had to oh, be yeah. able to dip their toe into it. And I don't it need to go accessible. very far with it. I don't yeah. need to go very far with it. But I'm making music now. I'm actually 
I just sussed out how to play uh, Blind Faith Can't Find My Way Home. And it sounds killer on my little three-string cigar fretless. I mean, and it it's recognizable. I can play it to where you go, oh, yeah, that's, that's Blind Faith. I mean, being able to do that, I can't even express how amazing that is. So that's that now what for me. It's like maybe I can do these and and actually give that to people. Well, if they pay a little bit for it, of course. Uh, but, but give people maybe the opportunity. It's like, I'm just ever going to, as I get older, just dink around with that little guitar. And, and I'm not going to try and be a, a, a an amazing guitar player like I think you are, Tim, uh, a bass player, a guitar player. I don't ever need to do that. I can make a little bit of music on these little silly instruments so that it's a little different for me. Phil, you're now what? Now, now that you are gaining these skills, now what? Now what? Well, so I thought it was, um, I thought it was the Etsy thing, right? <clears throat> so I, I did it for uh, for quite a while, a few years, and I found a couple of products that did, or maybe three products that did really well for me. One of which did like really, really well. Um, but I found that it was sort of killing my joy, right? So I thought I answered the question of now what? I developed yeah. a skill set. It and became work. I it, it became yeah. it became more work than it was really even worth, mm -hmm. despite the fact that it was bringing in a good amount of money. Um, and and I took a hit, stop like when I stopped doing it. But my sanity is is worth uh, probably a little bit more than that. Um, and so I'm I'm answering that question again, right? I'm I'm looking for that answer again. Um, and so far, it's been doing doing what I feel like doing. And turning it back into a hobby that uh, that I find joyful. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. so. That's your that's your now. What is to find the love again? Yeah. Well, I mean, it was yeah. one of the three options that I laid out at the beginning. Is you know, it's just it's it's something that brings me joy. Um, I cannot express to either one of you or anyone really how much satisfaction comes uh, I derive from this. Being able to think of something in my head look around in the scrap bin, see if I can adapt my idea for the materials that I have, and then come out with a thing that I That's look huge. at and I am proud of. And like, we all I mean, understand. It's, <laughs> here, it's, it's stupid, right? So yeah. phone holder, okay? Phone holder. Mm -hmm. I will sit here and I have my hand on it and I will touch it and I will constantly reconfirm that it's real and that I made it and that I love it. And, and yep. for me, that is such a tremendous amount of joy. I can't even... I just love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I think we could probably um, that could that could end all of this very nicely for people that are new starting to make, especially with reclaimed materials. What you just described, that's there now. What if you start yeah. Yeah. now? What is going to be the joy of what you, the, every skill that you build and get? Go ahead, Tim. And and whatever you make right now, it doesn't have to be Whistler's mother. It can be just as rewarding. <laughs> it could be Whistler's cousin. It could be whistles. No, but I mean, it, it doesn't like don't set, you know, set your standards properly. Like, I mean, like, Phil, you have this, you know, a rectangle with a, with a cutout that holds a phone and it's, yep. you know, you glue the wood together. You got a nice finish on it. It feels good in the hand. It's that it's not Whistler's it's mother. Square, but it's, it's, you know, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But you made it and you're and it's like everything's tight and clean and you're and you're proud of it. And in mm -hmm. 10 years from now, you can make, you're going to be making things like way more complicated and advanced than that, but you're still going to be proud of that because that was sure. at that point in that time. When you're making Whistler's Mother in 10 years, you know, right. you can be proud of that too. But yeah, so take, take your steps, you know, and, and mark your accomplishments and move forward from there. Don't, 
you know, don't just like think like, oh, well, it's not Whistler's mother. No, I, I think making, and I used to say this about playing pool a lot too. Playing pool is one of the few games that you can actually play where it's true that every shot you take, every single shot you take, you're that much better. Because yeah. it's, it's, it's almost that instant gratification. You, you do something, you see what you did right, you see what you did wrong, you move on to the next shot. And with making, it's like that. I mean, it's a little more spread out, but every little project that you make, every failure, every success, all of that, it's just every time you do something, you're that much better and you're able to build up that that moment where you can say, all right, I got this, now what? Mm-hmm. I played Excellent. Izzy Pool. We played pool together. I'm pretty sure I won. <laughs> I can play. I can shoot some. I can shoot some stick. Wait, now that I, yeah, no, I'm certain I won. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's well, relevant. That but I do agree with what you said. I I do like the uh, the honesty of pool. Yeah. Can't fake it. Yeah. I tried. That's right. <laughs> what was the color of money? Oh yeah. Um. Let's move on here. Okay, what do we got? That was, a, that was a fun topic. I liked that one. Yeah, it was. Um, iTunes review review. Do we have any? I didn't even check. Uh, we have one new one. Yeah, here. I, I can read it. I have it ready. Oh. Um, this is a five-star review from August 18th from by Just a Welder. Five stars who are reading it. And the title is... Uh, oh, sorry, Phil. This one's not for you. The title is Guitar Nerds. Oh, um, if there wasn't already a podcast called Guitar Nerds, you could call this one that. <laughs> especially this particular episode I think we could I really enjoy the show I wonder if someday someone will reclaim all those reclaimed wood guitars and make something out of them I've done that already with my own guitars a couple times yeah Yeah, no that happens one of the first things I ever made that would be quote reclaimed is out on my porch it was um, because you know 20 years ago my first introduction of woodworking was making guitars and I made a bunch of bodies that I had never finished and I had one that had no pickup holes in it or nothing. Um, it was made out of uh, lace wood and um, I forget what else because it was before nice. I sipped the reclaim. And um, it's uh, when I was dating my wife, I had an old microphone stand and I mounted a, a, um, a threaded nut inside the guitar so I could thread it onto this microphone stand and I made a bistro table out of it. And it's oh. out on our porch and it's been out there for 15 years now. Nice. One, of first, one of the first reclaimed cool. things I made. An old mic stand and a guitar body. Was that the well, end of the review? Just... Yeah, that was it. Yeah. We have another one, though. This one um, is from Argentina. And it's from our good friend, John Made It. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's a globetrotter. We love him. Oh, he's funny. Uh, the title is Honest Review. <clears throat> Buckle up. Um, great podcast. I look forward to new episodes every week. Sometimes I forget uh, what the episode was about, but every time I'm left in a good, uplifted mood. There you go. A nice worded review. I'll be back to my normal style of Mickey taking for my next review. Not sure what that means, but I look forward to it as well. I think it's Argent- like taking the mick out of somebody, so I guess you're like uh, taking the whatever out of somebody. Joking? I was, I was thinking of slipping somebody a Mickey, but that's illegal in most countries. Huh. You're probably right. I'll have to check it out what it is in Canada. I don't know. <laughs> Might be legal here. Maybe. Um, onwards and upwards. Weekly tip segment. Bill, I think it's your turn. Or Phil. All right. 
Yeah, that's actually Phil. I think you and I have dominated I think this for a while. Yeah, I think it's um, Phil's turn. You got any finishing tips from your uh, recent desk finishing that you could share with us? What did you had it, anything you picked up on that? I did. I did the baby sock. Yeah, actually, I did. I did a grown man sock. I did. Uh, yeah. So I did. Uh, oh, you can't use grown man socks with shellac. You have to use baby socks. Grown man socks are only for low VOC. No, it's only after you do ten <laughs> times, then you can graduate to the big boy socks. <laughs> I had some. I had some socks that uh, that were too big for me. I don't know. I think maybe they were my brother-in-law's. They slipped into the laundry somehow. I don't know. Anyway, so I uh, <laughs> I used those, and uh, and it worked. It worked really really well. Because um, I found that you can't really use. Well, I didn't want to use a brush because then you've got to clean it with like that stuff that's specifically mm -hmm. for shellac. Um, I I like to just be able to clean brushes with water. Um, so I either use foam, and I didn't have any foam brushes. So sometimes I would just use paper towel, and you can that'll work for small things. But a desk, it would have just shredded and gotten gross and stuck to everything. So yep. the 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 sock thing worked really really well. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of what else. Actually, it's funny because as I'm looking at this desk now, um, the grain from the from it's an oak veneered plywood, and the grain that uh, that I made the trim out of like almost perfectly matches. So if you're looking at it and you blur your eyes just a little bit, <laughs> the whole thing looks solid. So I guess the tip is if you've got a piece of stock that you're gonna be using for trim, try to match up the grain, like turn it over, you know what I mean? Like sometimes it's gonna be flat sawn, sometimes it's gonna be quarter sawn, depending on sort of which orientation mm -hmm. you have it in. And if it's, let's say a one inch square or whatever it is and you're gonna be cutting it, cut it so that it matches whatever the grain type is on top of this desk. So it just so happens, well, the way this veneer is done on this, because it's kind of cheapy, right? They kind of just unroll the log, right? So well, it yeah, sort of carves it. How all so you're getting, yeah. you're getting every single grain type on it. So you're going from yeah. a quarter sawn to a riff sawn to a flat sawn, back to a riff sawn, and then a quarter sawn, and then over and over again, because that's just the way they peel the log. So where where this plywood edge ends and where the trim begins, it's at a quarter sawn section. So it, it just kind of looks cool. So my tip is is match your grain for your trim. So I, okay. I would um, I, I would um, um, expand on that just a little bit and say that if you're gonna play with something and you want to try and match grain to something, take whatever it is that you're gonna use for trim. Or in your case, Phil, that's what you did, right? You used a piece of trim. Cut a real thin piece off of it to where you can take that you can orient it, lay it flat on it, see if you like the way it goes. Because you don't always want to match the grain uh, going one way. Maybe you want to mismatch the grain. You want it to go the opposite mm -hmm. direction. So match match your grain. See how you want it to look, though. Do you want it? It's like, oh, I think I like the way it goes uh, the opposite way on this. So before you cut it all up, mm -hmm. you know what I mean. You want to know what you want to do. Do you want it to go in the same direction? Do you want it to go the opposite? And, sure. and going going back to our topic of now, what we were talking about the early days when you're you know proportion design, those are all the kind of things that come with the experience too. Right. Is like to to take the time to look at the grain before you just start gluing wood together. You know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's yeah. true because it is. It's a you know it's a very dynamic material. It's not like a a block of plastic that's perfectly uniform on every side. Right. And it just doesn't matter. You just join the two together, right? Wood has all of these little. Um, intricacies and details that really matter you know like if you're grain continuity right so if you're gonna make a box 
out of a single board, make sure that the orientation is, or try, if you want this look, you know, try to make sure to orient the board so that it's a continuous grain all the way around. You figure out how you want to do the lid. Sometimes people do the continuous grain onto the lid and then back onto the side. So there are all these little things that likely only a woodworker would see, but it's these things that, you know, take you to the next level and really give you the joy well, out of this craft, I find. Maybe only a woodworker would identify, but no, everybody right. sees it. They just don't know why they look at that one box and they like it better than the other. Yeah, Maybe most so. of us yeah. most of us look at it aesthetically and say, "Oh, that looks really cool." A woodworker yeah. would say, "I know how that happened." Uh, another right. to expand yeah. on that tip is don't be afraid to use hot glue or blue tape to actually assemble a project. Right? If you mm. want to see what it's going to look like before you actually do the joinery on it. Use some hot glue, kind of put it together, and like, oh yeah, that looks great. Or you know what, that sucks. I'm going to redo this side. I'm a, I like the grain going the other way or something like that. Mm -hmm. Just another thing. I've, I've done that many times where you put something together. If I set a cup of coffee on it, it would fall apart. But at least it's together, and I can look at it. And now I can just knock it down real quick, glue it up, do how whatever kind of joint you're going to do. Blah blah blah. So don't be afraid to. What would that be? A temporary glue uh, assembly? Well, know. like a dry fit or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah it's basically like a dry fit. fit. Yeah. yeah, it's a really good idea. Yeah, in the. Um, the hot glue comes off with alcohol. So like if you, cause if, yeah, if you, if you use a hot glue and you want to, you can scrape it off, but you can always see there's like a little bit of residue. Just use some rubbing alcohol or alcohol and, um, and that'll get that off so you can glue it properly later and, right, right. and stuff and finish it properly. Use Love it sparingly. <laughs> yeah. 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 That, that turned out to little be for the wood, little for the wood, little for me. What? <laughs> what, yeah. um, what grabbed your attention this week? Let's go to Tim this time. What grabbed your attention? Um, I wanted to thank Trevor for buying uh, a reclaimed audio podcast shirt. He oh, stood we love up, him. Stood up yeah. to the call that we put out last week and ordered a shirt, and uh, and so that's what caught my attention was was that because we still have a few larges left and I think a couple mediums left. Um, so Canadian he, Trevor. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Oh no way, Trevor! Hey, we love up, you. Yeah. What's up, my man? Um, yeah. So thank you, Trevor. That that's what caught my attention, and uh, yeah, I think that's. I don't really have anything else. So, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> World business tonight, apparently. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, it is chilly in here, so I'm just keeping the <laughs> keeping the coins dropping. You know. <laughs> ching 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 ching. Bill, what about you? What grabbed your attention? Uh, you know what grabbed my attention, Phil, um, and especially kind of ties in with our, our review from Just a Welder, um, Barbie the Welder. I, I mentioned her before. She has Her channel has grown, and now she's doing uh, this huge Eagle Osprey sculpture, welding it together, and it's amazing, but she's doing it live. So every morning oh. I get a, a notification. It's like, oh, Barbie's doing live welding now. And, this, and it's kind of neat to watch somebody actually build a sculpture live right little by little so mm. uh she's amazing yeah she's amazing she's an artist um and definitely knows what the heck she's doing and i'm just happy to see her growing but check out barbie the welder okay nice um mine is uh both a uh an attention grab and also a bit of a shout out so after last week i was talking about uh squaring up a uh, a miter saw and I had somebody reach out to me on Instagram. His name is John underscore Johnny Mac. And he forwarded me a YouTube video um, about how to square up a, a table saw. I mean, not a table saw, a miter saw. So that was uh, really helpful. And I really appreciate that. So thanks. 
Thanks, nice. Johnny Mac. Nice. Thanks, man. Uh, our channels, Iron and Soul. I should really change the name of that. I'm going to say our sites, our websites. Web, web, our websites. Ironandsoul.com, WilliamLutz.com, TimSway.net, NewPerspectivesMusic.com. Contact us for show topics, suggestions, feedback, all that good stuff. We love hearing from you guys. Info at ReclaimedAudioPodcast.com goes to all three of us at the exact same time. Hit us up on Twitter at ReclaimedAudio. I think I'm the only one who sees that. Um, on iTunes, leave us those reviews. Uh, I mean, I'm only bother doing that if you're going to leave a five-star review. But if it is a five-star review, we will literally read anything as evidence uh, by me being out of breath a few weeks back. Uh, Patreon.com slash Reclaimed Audio. The absolute best way to help us get to the big two zero zero, which is coming up in like three weeks. Are we doing anything? Probably not. Um, but we should no. at least acknowledge it. I mean, it's a big deal. It's 200 episodes. You want to do a Clips um, episode? You like The Simpsons? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, my God. Do you know how much work we, that would be? We should how do, would that even work do, in we, audio? We should do a live episode. That's what I think we should do. We could do a live episode. Right. Um, yeah, we could we could discuss that. That's because we could re- we're it doesn't change the way we record. Nope. Maybe yeah. Just instead of Skype, we would be on we'd, we'd be on Hangouts or whatever, which I know has yeah. changed, but but we could do a YouTube live. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, and we can still the, the, maybe does that. They do the live thing, and then they do a separate. Oh, do it. Um, I don't know then. A local. Recording just like so, yeah, we did like, the same like thing instead doing, of Skype. Yeah. It's YouTube. Yeah, I'm glad, we're, I'm glad we're working this out here. Perfect. Place. What do you guys think? Send us a, an electronic communique. Let us know what you think of a live episode. That's all I got. Have a great. You do a Q and A in in the chat, maybe. You know. How about just nothing but cues? We don't yeah, we'll just we'll just read the questions and not answer them. That's it. I love it. I, I actually like <laughs> Frank from San Francisco wants to know. What's your favorite skill saw? Great question. Okay, Great. Joe from... <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> it's none of your damn business, Frank. <laughs> Go listen and to a real why, podcast. This so is like why that. 200 episodes later, I love you both so much. Have a great week, everybody. Bye, everybody. Be good.